Hey love, Ashley Han here, online branding and marketing strategist, entrepreneur, author, and coach, and welcome to a brand new special exclusive series of my show called Female on Fire, where I am taking you behind the scenes for the next 11 weeks with 11 incredible, powerful, successful, sexy, radiant females on fire. From spine-tingling pain-to-power stories, raw and real girl talk, to actionable tools, frameworks, and strategies that you can use in your own life, it is my intention that as you listen to each of these episodes, you will feel a spark light up inside of you and walk away feeling on fire. And just like the women in these episodes, it is time to radiate your unique beautiful and powerful flame out into this world. Let's dive in. Christine Hassler is a master coach, facilitator, and speaker with over 16 years of experience. She is the best-selling author of three books and host of a top-rated podcast, Over It and On With It, where she actually coaches people live on the show. Pretty cool, right? Christine is also known globally for her ability to identify what is holding someone back and compassionately guide them to clarity. She has a master's degree in spiritual psychology and implements elements of NLP, psychology, spirituality, science, and her own diverse life experience into the work that she does. She's appeared on the Today Show, CNN, ABC, CBS, Fox, E, Style, and the New York Times. This woman is powerful and she's on a powerful mission. If you don't know her already, I'm so excited for you to meet her and to learn from her today. In this episode, we actually start off our discussion talking about feminine and masculine energies and how to balance them and also shining light on the dark shadow sides of each of these energies. And when we go into how to heal these shadows, we go somewhere where I was not expecting that we would go, but I'm so grateful that we did. I don't know if you guys remember this post I put on my Instagram page a while back. It's actually pretty recent. I want to say within the last few months where I did a ceremony with my friend Garen Jones called the Welcome Home Ceremony where I did a lot of deep inner child work. I got an overwhelming amount of feedback, comments, and messages from you guys asking so many questions about the work that I did and really just showing a lot of interest in inner child work in general. So I am so excited that that is where Christine and I ended up going in this episode. We really break it down and share some passion powerful examples and really create clarity around inner child work and how important it really is. So I'm not going to spoil it anymore. I'm just going to let you go right into the episode and learn and see for yourself. Make sure you take a lot of notes. Without further ado, let's dive into it. All right, Christine, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show today. And to kick this off really quickly, what I like to do is just give you an acknowledgement of why I chose you as a female on fire for this series. So, well, I kind of already shared this with you personally, but not to the extent that I would like to, is I really loved what what you spoke about and how you spoke at Aubrey Marcus's event in Sedona. And I just felt there was something really powerful about the way that you carried yourself. You have this like powerful yet graceful, you know, essence to you. And you demonstrated such knowledge and embodiment of that balance between the divine masculine and the divine feminine. 
Uh, and I just loved when you spoke. I, I learned so much from you that I'm excited for the listeners to learn from you today. And secondly, I love your relationship with your king, with Stephanos. And am I saying his name right, by the way, Stephanos? Mm-hmm. You can call him Steph too. That's easier yeah. for most of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. So your relationship with Steph is so inspiring. You guys have this beautiful, like synergistic partnership when you guys were leading certain, you know, experiences together, you know, during the event, it was just so beautiful to witness and see It's something that Gerard and I are aspiring to create as well. So I just love, you know, both of those things just really stood out to me. And it's why I wanted you to come on the show today. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for that beautiful acknowledgement. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I would love to honestly start there. Like, please, please tell us what, how is, what is the story of you and Steph? How did you guys come to be and create this beautiful, epic love and partnership you have today? <laughs> well, it's a story I've told a lot. So maybe some of your listeners have heard. So I'll, I'll tell the short version, but still keep it juicy. And then if you get curious, you can go stalk us and hear the full story. <laughs> but basically I was, I was very, very, very single. Like I, I got divorced. I got married at like 27, divorced 31. And I loved that first coming out of a divorce and being in relationships since I was 17, never having that single time. I really love that, that time just to explore myself and really build my career and figure out who I was independent of a relationship. But then like five or six years went by and I thought, and I felt I'm really ready for partnership. I feel like I've gone as far as I could go on my own. I wanted that mirror. And I'd also done so much work on masculine feminine energy because one of the reasons that I think my, my first marriage didn't work is because we weren't in healthy masculine feminine energy. And I, I, I can't speak for him, but for me, I know I really hadn't tapped into my healthy feminine. I was more of my shadow feminine and I was leading more with my masculine. So that was really one of the areas of healing I was interested in. And I wanted that, I wanted that dance. I wanted to play that out. Oh, but Ashley, it was so frustrating. I was living in LA, you know, by then I'm in my mid late thirties. I was getting terrible dating advice. I was being told, Oh, well, you're successful. You need to be with more an alpha man, like a poet or an artist and nothing against that. But I'm from Texas. I like manly men. I, I'm not attracted to feminine dudes. Like, again, that's great, but that's just not my, my preference. I need a man because I'm a strong personality and I need, <laughs> I need that. And, and then I hear, oh, well, no one's going to want you at your age. You've got to date somebody at least 50 plus. And I, I don't want that either. And then they're like, oh, we can't have a hot guy who's also conscious. Just all this stuff. And, and so much of the dating advice was about contorting myself about like turning into what like someone else wanted me to be and writing a profile that would get someone else. And I, I was just over it all. And so I created my own program to put myself through. And this is how it's been for everything in my life. My first book, 20 something, 20, everything, my last book, which was coming out of my divorce. And, and this program that now is an online program, Steph and I teach together, be the queen. I created a way to call in epic conscious love. I wanted sacred union. I really wanted that conscious, not just compatible, not just attracted to each other, but that soul level, like we've been together before and there's you, there's me and there's us. Like that's what I was really yearning for. And so I kind of put myself through all this. And while I was doing it, I moved from LA to San Diego, which is sometimes called Man Diego. So I was like, that could be a good place to go. (laughs) 
I don't know if you've ever heard that, but it's often referred to. I actually have not heard that. (laughs) It is. It is. The single ladies know. So moved out to San Diego, not not just for that reason, but I wanted to live on the ocean. I wanted to get out. My nervous system needed to get out of LA. And I lived there for a very long time. And so moved into this epic, like I always wanted to live on the beach. Ever since I've moved to California, I wanted to have a convertible, live on the beach. And I got to do both of those things. And I was so happy. And I'm like, this is where I'm going to call in my king. I'm going to stay here till I'm in my relationship. And then a year into it, my landlord had said I had to leave. She was a little crazy or a lot crazy and kicked me out for really crazy reasons. And it was one of those things, Ashley, that I was like, I was so sad and so devastated and so upset. But I also was like, all right, I'm, I'm moving on this energy. Something must be happening. Like the universe must be up to something. Mm-hmm. So Cut to five months later after I'd been nomadic and been back and forth to Australia twice and all over the world. And I was ready for a place to live. And so my friend said, come over to our place. We're putting it on the market. We're we're leaving our lease and it's going to go on the market and get snatched up quick. So come check it out. I go over, I look at the place. I'm like, this is a great home. I think I'll apply for it. We're sitting having dinner. Her husband's working on his computer on a startup. And he says, hey, Christine, can you come work on this startup and tell me what you think? And I need pictures of people using it. I sit down at his computer and on the screen are the pictures of all the founders, Steph being one of them. I see his picture and it was instant recognition. I said, I know him. Who is that? I I know him. We'd never met, never heard his name in my life. Hmm. My friend said, he's amazing. He lives in Perth, Australia, which couldn't be farther from San Diego. Um, do you want me to ask him if he wants an introduction? And I, and I was very clear at that point that I didn't want to be introduced to men who weren't ready, who weren't at a point where they were really calling in their queen because we're all, we all go through different stages in life. And I learned one thing with men, especially either they're ready or they're not. And there's not a lot of gray area. And I had tried that, but I'm so amazing. Like I can make him ready. No, that was just like heartbreak after heartbreak. So I'll wrap this story up. My friend introduces us because he said he was ready. We meet in Europe three months later after having a three-month relationship over WhatsApp and really getting to know each other so intimately without any physical. And I was very nervous when I was going to meet him because I was like, well, what if I don't like how he smells? What if we kiss and it's like kissing my brother, even though I don't have a brother, but you know, that little feeling. But it wasn't. He he showed up at my hotel room door. I opened the door. I still remember what he was wearing. And he gave me a hug and it was like home. I was like, I'm home. It wasn't a butterfly. Oh my gosh, this is like a drug feeling. It was my whole system relaxed. I was excited too, but the predominant feeling I felt was I was home. Like this is my person. And it's just, it, we moved in together that day. We, we went from zero to 100 and then we got engaged three months later and got legal, well, got engaged two months later and got legally married a month after that. So it was fast. Wow. Okay. I hope this is inspiring so many women listening right now, because this just goes to show you. And what I love about your story, Christine, literally as my light just falls, (laughs) you can call this stuff in, they know behind the scenes. Okay. Um, so what I love about your story is that you, well, what's really interesting is you got married, you got in a relationship at a very young age, right? And I was engaged months before that too, and got dumped six months before my wedding. So I've had like a lot of relationship and stuff like stuff. Yeah. And and what that creates within you, Mm -hmm. you know? And so what I love is that you took that time. You said four to five years 
like being single, like you said, in your words, I was very single, you know, but so many, I just, I really want to point that out because there's so much bravery in that. Mm. Um, it's, it's, you know, it can be very common for some women to go straight into something else right away without really uncovering and diving in within themselves. And I love that you did that. And I really, truly believe that if you hadn't have taken that time, you wouldn't have been ready for stuff, right? Like if you, if you hadn't have really taken that time for yourself, and I think it's so beautiful that you did that. Um, something else that I really want to, uh, unpack. And I had a question for you that you shared is you were talking about, um, that you had this kind of unhealthy, you know, balance with your own feminine and masculine energies. And especially with, you know, this shadow, you called it the shadow side of the feminine. Can you speak into that a little more? Yeah, I'd love to. And this is, I want to also make a distinction because this is something I've been talking about a lot lately. It seems like masculine feminine energy has been really up right now. We're seeing a lot of more conscious couples. I think that the, you know, the guru in the past has been that single person, often the single male. And I think what we're looking to in terms of leadership and and a container for really personal development is the couple, is the conscious couple. It doesn't necessarily have to be male, female, but it is that duo. It, it is so much of our wounding comes from home. It comes from parental things. And we're so looking for that mother, father archetype and that healthy masculine feminine energy. So I love that it's so much of a conversation right now, way more than it has been, was even a year ago at this time. I get asked this question yeah. a lot more. So the first distinction I want to make, because a lot of women get really stuck in, I'm too much in my masculine. I'm too much in my masculine. I'm too much in my masculine. I know I need to get out of my masculine and be more in my feminine, but how do I get in my feminine? So I want to back it up because a lot of times what we think is our masculine is actually just our protective strategy. So let me give an example. I had a lot of things, you know, we all have our stuff growing up. One of the things that um, was part of my experience was I was teased, left out of things. There was an I hate Christine club. I, I wasn't necessarily bullied, but just teased and treated not great and felt very alone and very isolated and decided that I'm unlikable and something's definitely wrong with me. And so how I compensated for that, because whenever we feel less than in any way, the ego, which is so much tied to our survival of our persona, has to come up with some way to get some kind of validation, some kind of love to replace the void that that wound created. And so my way to replace the void of not feeling like I belong and not feeling that I'm likable was be super successful, be an overachiever, get the straight A's. So my whole identity became doing. I was like, well, if I'm not likable, I'm just going to do, 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 do. And so since that was tied to my whole sense of feeling safe in the world, it became my priority. It became my identity and it became the only way I knew how to move forward. So a lot of how I showed up, especially in relationship with that doing and drive wasn't necessarily masculine, even though we can tie drive to masculine energy, it was a protective strategy. So, and I bring this up because a lot of women they want to like balance out their masculine and feminine just by becoming more feminine. It's like, I want to move out of my masculine so I can become more feminine and they have a hard time with it. That light just doesn't want to stay up. <laughs> I am like, what is going on over here? Okay. I think I fixed it. The that. energy today is very ungrounding. I mean, it's, it's a really ungrounding day. It you know, it's a big portal today. Anyway. So 
that I see, I'll just go back to what I was saying. So a lot of women get stuck because they're like, I just want to be more feminine. But until you really look at what's underneath that masculine um, behavior, which is usually a protective strategy, which is tied to wounding, it's hard just to leap into your feminine because so much of that behavior is tied to keeping you safe, to making you feel validated, to make you feel like you belong, so on and so forth. So if we want to have a healthy balance between masculine and feminine, we've got to look at the wounding that's put us more in quote unquote masculine behavior. And we can't just go, I just need to up my feminine because it won't work. We've got to look at what created that because most women, not all, but most, our core essence is feminine. And as you know, we all have masculine and feminine inside of us. Like it doesn't matter what our gender is. We all have that inside of us. And most women tend to have a feminine essence and most men tend to have a male essence. Again, not all, but most. And so we have this beautiful feminine essence, but then things happen and we put mask over mask over mask. So we sort of layer masculine like qualities again to protect ourselves and to adapt to a world that you know, up until now, really prioritize a more masculine way of living. Mm -hmm. And that's how we sort of lose sight. So it's not like we need to become more feminine. We need to look at the wounding that created the behavior and then take off the mask. The feminine is there. It's not like we have to learn it. It's just like we don't need to learn how to love ourselves. We just need to remember it's there. Mm -hmm. It's that essence. So that balance, like how I found that balance inside of me, was doing the shadow work, doing the trauma work, doing the inner child work, doing the healing to go back and tell that young girl, you know, that like middle school tween girl that like first to let her have her feelings, to let her have her anger, let her have her sadness, let her have her rage. A lot of what I call temper tantrum techniques, like getting the emotion out and then helping her reorient her belief systems about herself. And also work with that part of me that thought that unless I achieved, I was nothing because I think what prevents a lot of women from really balancing out our masculine feminine and, and leading. So if we have a core feminine essence, we want to lead with our feminine energy and have our masculine behind us, backing us up. And when the masculine needs to come forward, it can, but we mm -hmm. lead with that beautiful, receptive, discerning feminine energy. And in order to like get that in the right, in well, the most aligned place, we'll say, we need to look at like that wounding that's that's kept us back there and, and give uh, update a lot of those beliefs that created those behaviors. So does, does that make sense what I'm saying? Oh, 100%. I'm over here. I'm probably, I've probably been like nodding the entire time and not realizing it because I literally, everything that you said resonated. I'm sure listeners right now, you've been nodding your heads too. And this is hitting home for you because like attracts like, and a lot of what you shared is my story. Mm. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners right now where they can relate to what you shared too. You know, growing up, feeling left out. My my shadow conversations still to this day, which are in like the, you know, I know what to do with them now, but they pop up, which is, you know, not good enough. And the, like, I'm left out. Like nobody cares. I don't matter. Like I'm the oddball, right? I used to eat lunch in the girl's bathroom stall. Yeah. Like I was, I was, I was bullied in school, teased, haunted on a, put up on a gossip site. I heard you say something like that. Um, so very similar stories. And I went the route that you went as well, you know, overachiever had to get 4.0s, like had to get the, you know, best this, best that. 
um, to try to prove my value and prove my belonging and prove my worth that like, Hey, I belong here. Right. Like I'm, you know, and so there is, and I, and I love what you're saying about the feminine is there. And it's not that we need to be more in our feminine energy or more like it's actually about a reactivation of something that we buried because of of the, you know, are adapting to what's happening in our environment and doing it the best way we know how. Yeah. The best way we know how at that time, which is why doing the work that you're talking about, this shadow work, this in, internal, deep, uncomfortable, scary, but very necessary work, um, allowing that like catharsis to happen, which I talked you said about tantrums, right? Mm-hmm. Letting that out so that 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 little girl can finally be heard and finally get that attention that that's all she's been wanting this whole time. Yeah. Right. Is love and attention. And something that stuck out to me and uh, also is I think part of it, what's happened is that we and I, when I say this, I know I'm, I'm not speaking for everyone, but I'm sure a lot of women listening can relate to this is this not trusting our feminine. Right. right. Like we're, we're, we're not trusting the power of surrender, right. you know, the power of receiving and vulnerability when gosh, there's so much power in that, that we have innately built inside of us. Right. And, and that was a big, that's been a big piece of my journey is, is that space of trusting that, that part of me that's that I buried. And I said, Nope. Yeah. And then went into protection, right. Of like, then, okay, I've got to be this. So what are some other, like, just curious too, because I know you've been doing a lot of work around shadow um, you know, shadow work and also feminine masculine. What are some uh, sh- other shadow, like female, um, feminine energy that you've noticed that you've yeah. seen very common for women? Yeah. So, um, it's things like manipulation, passive aggressive behavior, um, that princess, that spoiled princess energy. Um, the using sexuality is, I call it leaky sexual energy. So the shadow feminine has that leaky sexual energy where it's both like, see me, see me, see me, give me validation. And it's also let me use my sexuality to get something from you. Mm. Um, that codependence that can be masculine too, but that, that enmeshment, the people pleaser, the overgiver, like the feminine is very, very nurturing, but the, the overgiving at the expense of ourself and like not, not speaking our truth. Mm-hmm. Jealousy is a mm-hmm. big, you know, feminine shadow. Um, so is that comparison? The shadow masculine is more of a competition. There can be healthy competition. The shadow feminine is more that internal comparison where we beat our, beat ourselves up. Um, the, 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 behaviors that are like self-harmful it's again the opposite of nurturing so things like eating disorders cutting things like that that's all like the 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 shadow feminine trying to get self-soothing but doing it in a very harmful and hurtful way to ourselves but I would say the ones that all of us can relate to on a daily level that we can see is that manipulation that passive aggressiveness that bitchiness because men often fight with their hands and women often fight with our words, like the mm. same, the things like that. Mm. Um, and the jealousy, I think those are the ones that we can all kind of relate to. And the one that I also see is most common is that, that, that using sexual energy to either get validation or get someone to do something. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And then on the on the masculine side, the unhealthy or the shadow masculine would be like control, force. Oppression. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Domination, oppression, um, un- that unhealthy competition, the the drive, 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 and hyper vigilance and hyper focus. So he loses presence and he, yeah. you know, that that go until burnout type of thing. Um the the judgment the the harshness the aggression like all of that is the shadow masculine and we've seen so much of that support systems that we still buy into today i mean there's so many systems and structures that were built on the shadow masculine on control conformity all that that kind of stuff mm. well i'm sure <clears throat> I, listeners right now both sides and I'm, I'm sure you're seeing that is like i mean i know for one for me, controlling like that for me, um, being pushy. I've stepped into that a lot. So, and, and that's, I think the piece of also what Christine was talking about earlier is how we've really, um, it, where we've, uh, you know, right now there's this rise of the independent woman and like, there's this feminist movement going on and what happens is, Oh, I'm independent. I don't need a man. Yeah. I don't, you know what I'm saying? That's happening. And we start to become, you know, uh, this, this, we bring out these shadow masculine qualities within yeah. ourselves yeah. because we think that that's what we need to do. Yeah. And there's, I love it. You know, there's a difference between being controlling and having sort of um, a compensatory strategy of control. So a lot of what so many of us slip into, especially if we had a chaotic childhood, if we had an abusive childhood, or if we had a childhood where, there was one or many times the rug got pulled out from underneath us and and we were just shocked. And it could be something, you know, really horrific and traumatic, um, like abuse. And it could be something like your parents came to you in third grade and said, we're moving, you know, and we can't minimize our trauma. But when we have those big shocks or we have a lot of chaos, often control, like needing control, like needing to know how things are going to go, not being okay with uncertainty, that comes from wounding, but trying to control another person, trying to get them to be what you want them to be or, or do what you want them to do, that's more that shadow feminine. So I don't want people to think if, if they love control or are scared of uncertainty that they're in their shadow feminine. There's a distinction between using control as a compensatory strategy and then the healing is really to go in and help that inner child feel safe versus being controlling because you just kind of want them your way and you want to manipulate those are two different mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. yeah that's a good distinction thank you for clarifying that that's really important and I can actually relate to both mm-hmm. of those um, for me so okay so let's talk about the healing aspect right so when you started diving in and we are uncovering I love that we're bringing light on these shadow patterns mm-hmm. Uh, it's really important because as you know, we can't fix or change something if we don't know it exists. So that's great. I love that we're bringing awareness to all those things. And the healing process is that that's the first step The you know, really excavating um, your shadows. So what, 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 when you talk about healing, like what did you do? I would love to know even like your journey, like Mm -hmm. what did you do to heal that, those energies and like really create harmony within yourself? So much. So much. I mean, my, my life's work. And when I decided to become a coach at 24 years old, my coach Mona said to me, are you sure? And I said, yes, this is amazing. I help people. 
like, great. She's like, if you do this and you do it with integrity, your life will be your laboratory. You won't be able to brush anything under the rug. You'll have to look at everything and dive deep. You'll have to go to places that most of your clients won't even go because you have to go farther than any of them to be able to take them to where they need to go. You have to get so comfortable with your shadow and diving deep in the dark that that's just where you're willing to go with everything. You can't ignore triggers. And uh, at the time, because, you know, naive and sounding good, I was like, sure, I can do that. And I've been to some pretty dark places by 24. But I really had no idea, you know, what I was saying yes to. And, you know, I... Doing what I do, I have a high standard on myself to really walk with integrity and not take anywhere, anyone anywhere I haven't been. So I have done everything from, I mean, I was in therapy since I was 11. So I didn't, I didn't really gravitate towards therapy in my 20s. I went more towards coaches and personal teachers, but also I did somatic therapy, trauma therapy, somatic sexual healing, tantra, plant medicine. Um, EMDR, EFT, journaling, the temper tantrum technique that I teach, like uh, everything. But I will say the thing that has helped me more than anything and has helped me in my relationship more than anything and has helped me in my daily life is the inner child work. And, you know, this is something that's so close to my heart and something that Steph and I teach together because the inner child is so connected to our our intuition, our passion, our sense of safety. It's a deeply sensitive part of us. And we don't need to remember our childhood to do inner child work. That's what keeps a lot of people stuck. They think they need to have these explicit memories of their childhood in order to heal their, heal their inner child. And they don't. Because again, your inner child is an archetype that lives inside of you. And it's responsible for about 95% of your thoughts, actions, and behaviors. It drives so much. Our conscious adult mind, until we really do a lot of work, only drives 5% of our thoughts, actions, behaviors, decisions, all those things. So that's why it's so important to do the inner child work. And so it's been going back to those hard times in my life or to that inner child and not reliving the experiences because this is another place people get stuck. They think they have to go back and relive abuse. No, in fact, I'd encourage you not to. But you can still go back to that age. Like I had some pretty hard stuff happen to me at five that would fall in the category of abuse. And I could go back without having to put myself back through the memory or the process. But I could go back to that five-year-old and say, how are you feeling? I'm it's safe. I'm here. First, I had to establish rapport with that inner child. But when I did that, I could go back and say, I'm, it's safe. I'm here. What are you feeling? What do you want to express? Because so much of when we went through difficult experiences as a child, we really didn't get to express the authentic emotion that went on with, with it. We were told to be good girls. We had to keep secrets. We suppressed things inside. Most of our parents hadn't done a lot of their own emotional processing work. So they really didn't know how to be with our feelings. So they either made us ignore them and just shake it off or they oversoothed us. So we never really learned how to like navigate our own emotions. They just wanted us to feel better. You know, the ideal thing a parent can do for a child when they're having a big feeling is just to sit with them and say, I see you're angry and I'm here and you're safe. You can hit that pillow until, you know, until you're not angry or I see you're sad and, and say, it's okay to be sad and you're safe and you didn't do anything wrong, but we go into like over soothing. And so we develop a habit at a very young age of believing that feeling our big feelings is wrong. 
for whatever reason, because we were either suppressed and suffocated or because we were oversued. It was like, I got to get rid of this feeling ASAP. And so that's where we develop all kinds of addictions from work to alcohol and all the other things that, that have us numb our feelings. Mm-hmm. So that inner child work is really going back and giving that part of us freedom to express with the inner parent who is also inside us, creating that safe space. I'm here. Nothing's wrong with you. You didn't do anything wrong. Let it out. I'm really here. And an important thing to remember when you're doing inner child work. So when I coach people through inner child work, there's such a tendency to go right into explanation. So let's say your inner child is really wounded by your parents' divorce at eight. When I see people do, I call it the empty chair process where they're, the inner child is talking to the adult self, the parent. So like the adult self is talking to the eight-year-old me. Let's say the eight-year-old me parents went through a divorce and I go in, the eight-year-old me says, I hated it. I was so scared. I thought it was my fault. And it's expressing the tendency of the, the inner parent when we first do this work is to go, but you're so much better off and it all works out. And your parents were in a really toxic relationship and it wasn't your fault. And in that moment, we dismiss the inner child. So mm-hmm. we don't want in our own personal development work to go into explanation or extreme reassurance. We want to go to that inner child. I hear you. Tell me more. What else? What are you feeling? That must have been so hard. And it's not perpetuating the pain. It's not putting ourselves in victim. It's actually giving ourselves the experience of being able to feel those feelings with the adult self holding that space. Mm-hmm. And that's how we because the inner child is very fragmented from the adult self, which is why so many of us feel overwhelm and anxiety and confusion because we've got these fragmented parts. And when that, that inner parent inside of us, our present day self connects with that inner child, it's like there's this cohesion and we're not so fragmented and that inner child doesn't feel so scared anymore. There's a union yes. that's being created. There's a union. And, and, and the inner child feels when we really can step into that healthy parent, the healthy masculine and the healthy feminine. And it's like, yeah. oh, like... I'm being reparented by this maternal and paternal archetypes inside of myself. I can relax. I can be safe. And most issues in life, I mean, I I do a podcast where I coach people on the air and I can track pretty much everything back to childhood. Like always, Mm -hmm. most things that we're struggling with in our adult life come from childhood. So we can do as much manifesting and NLP and mind stuff as we want, which is all very masculine and that's helpful but unless we really get to that inner child and do that work we're going to come up against the same arguments the same obstacles the same patterns over and over again Mm. it's so important also what you said you said this earlier that don't try to rate your trauma because I've, you know, so many people, I can tell you there's someone very close to me who I care so much about who consistently says, well, you know, I heard everyone talk in the room and I didn't have something traumatic like that happen to me. You know, and I, I you know, so, and, and they dismiss the whole idea of doing this deep inner child work because they think, well, oh, nothing traumatic happened to me like that person. So I don't need that. Right. What we don't understand is we're actually playing out whatever, however we were feeling, um, at some, whatever point in our childhood, whatever, we're actually going to attract that all around us in different relationships and scenarios in our life. And what I want to say, and I'm this is actually bringing it back to what you said in the very beginning, and we're talking about how you attracted Steph, mm-hmm. is how we were made to feel 
And it doesn't have to be in an aggressive, abusive way, but how we were made to feel when we were young, we actually then will create feedback loops and I keep attracting that in our relationships. So like, for example, when you were talking about, um, you know, the child being like, oh, and yeah, it was hurt and, it, and it's, you know, and this happened and I felt like I didn't matter or whatever when the child was expressing and then the parent came in and said, well, but you know, they did their best blah, 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 and all those stuff. Even th that right there, think about it, ladies, just listening right now. When you have a conversation with a man that you didn't, because I don't, I used to have this, right? Where I would be sharing, right? Like I'd be sharing something like something that happened that day, like, and, oh, and this happened and it was so frustrating. And the guy's just like, well, you know, and like, just like, if you, what do you, how do you feel? Right. And they yeah. try, it's almost like they're, they're trying to fix you or right. subdue the problem. And it's like in that moment, ladies, how do you end up feeling? Right. Yeah. You feel just like dismissed and angry. And yeah. 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 You're like, no, just hear me. Just listen to me. Like, 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 I just want that space. And, and the thing is, is, um, what I would really, you know, for women who are listening, who are single or maybe in a relationship right now where they know they can take it to the next level, like really think about those parts that are in your relationship right now, or what you does, what you've been experiencing in past relationships that haven't been working for you. Just ask yourself, when did I feel like this in my childhood? Like, do I remember feeling this way? Doesn't mean that they're doing the exact thing, but that feeling Right. So like for me with, with my mom and my mom and I, like, I've done a lot of work. My mom and I are in the best place we've ever been. Like I was this constant feeling of not good enough because of the criticism. Right. And that was her way that she knew how to love me and to care about me was to criticize. And that, that, that back then, that's what she knew. Now she's, we're totally, we're in a totally different space. Um, but I had to do a lot of work around that because then I kept coming up in relationships feeling, you know, that's my mother. And this is with the dude. Doesn't yeah. matter. I yeah. was let, I, I kept getting this feeling of not good enough. Like there's something wrong with me, fundamentally wrong with me. Nothing I do is ever going to be enough for this man. How did I, when did I, hmm, when did I feel that way in my childhood? Yeah. Ah, ding, ding, ding yeah. with my mother. So then that gives you the opportunity. And again, my mom didn't abuse me. You guys, my mom wasn't abusive. There were moments that happened that affected me as a child. And you, you've got to not dismiss that and see the opportunity that lies there for you. And I, and I totally see that. I love that you shared that statistic, um, the 95 to 5%. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. I, no, it's, it's massive. And this is why we get so triggered. And I want everybody to think about like a situation in your life and your reaction to it. And does, did it match the situation? I'm sure we all can think about something happened and our reaction to it was way bigger than what really made sense for the situation. And that's, that's because we're triggered. That's because there's, it's something that happened in present day that hits a button that's an unresolved issue from childhood or an owie or those things that made us feel not enough, not safe, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, it's just this big feeling. We either act out or act in, you know, some of us have the personality. I'm more an acting in. I'm, I'm yes, less likely to yell. I, I can be bitchy. Like my anger can leak out. I'm not like her, um, but I act in a lot. My inner critic flares up. I go into obsessive thinking, like just all the stuff that, I did as a child when I was really scared and didn't know what was going on. And so what I find so liberating about doing inner child work is like we start to make so much sense to ourselves. You know, when, when Steph and I first got together, we had that like honeymoon period for about two months. Well, maybe three. And then by October, 
after we were already legally married, oh my gosh, all our stuff came up. And we, we came into the relationship kind of arrogant because we both done so much and put work on ourselves. We're like, this is just going to be easy and graceful. And it wasn't because everything came up and my inner child was activated and his inner child was activated. And it was a mess for a while until we really started to both work more on our own inner children, what was being triggered because intimate relationship triggers your parental issues like nothing else. It is the key to triggering your issues with mom and dad. And if you're a heterosexual woman, you don't just look at your relationship with dad. As you said, Ashley, you've got to look at relationship with mom too, because that will show up in men. It's not gender based at all. Mm-hmm. And when we know that, like the reason why Steph and I can argue well, because the key to a healthy relationship isn't about not fighting. In fact, you want some because that leads to some passion in the relationship. It's about how quickly you can repair. And do you have the same argument over and over and over again? And mm-hmm. so why we're able to repair is we both have that inner child awareness and can like look at really what's being triggered inside. And we have a lot of tenderness in our relationship because his little boy feels safe and my little girl feels safe. So we had a conversation yesterday that he brought up that was so vulnerable and so, and you know, he said to me, I, I very much doubt that any other man feels like comfortable, not any other, but very few feel comfortable bringing what I'm bringing to you. But that's because like we've created such safety inside ourselves and safety in the relationship. And I'm not saying we've got it nailed and we walk on water in our relationship. We're human just like everybody else. But I know that the key to a healthy relationship, especially for me, has been really doing that inner child work because then I'm not showing up as five or 12 or 13 or two in my relationship. I'm actually showing up for the most part as my grown up self. And then we can have a relationship based on our vision and our values versus our past. So many relationships are based on hashing out past stuff because people are being triggered and you can't even think about your vision because you're so caught up in all the issues from the past. Mm, so powerful. And I know that's one of the things that you share and you talk about is creating a, a vision together and in sacred union and actually like sitting down and having that Gerard and I have had that ceremony together. I can also relate to a lot of what you just shared. It was not rainbows and butterflies for Gerard and I all the time. A lot of people can look at Instagram and see one thing and not know what's going on behind closed doors. The fact that every re- it, relationships take work, period. You know, um, it's, it's, and I love that what you said about the fighting for and like being able to come into a resolution together and come back together as team, as union is the most important piece. And actually it makes you so much stronger as you're able to do that and exercise that muscle together. Um, it keeps you from being codependent as well. It keeps you from falling into those codependent behaviors that most often come from childhood and helps you work through because we have have anxious, secure, or disorganized or avoidant attachment styles. And it helps us work through those attachment styles as well. Because like we talked about, intimate relationships, just, it, it, is the, it is the battlefield for inner child issues. It is the workshop. The workshop's a much better word than battlefield for working <laughs> so much of that out. And, you know, that's why I love relationship is because, you know, like I said, I, I was able to go pretty far single but it is that mirror of relationship that really shows us some things that we wouldn't see if not in relationship. 
A hundred percent. It's our greatest teacher. I've, I, Gerard and I say this frequently that we have gone through the biggest transformational growth stretchiness just by us being in this relationship together. Yeah. Like we, we reveal so much to each other and especially when that mirroring does happen. Right. So they're exposing to you parts of yourself that you have not yet healed. And that's why, you know, one thing I say a lot is that we're never transformed. It's not no. a destination. Like as much like you heard how much work, you know, Christine's done. She shared, you listed so many like towards the beginning of the podcast and there she was in this relationship, things popping up. This is part of the journey of living, of having life of breathing. So um, I love that you share that. And I'm sure, you know, listeners can, can, I hope you guys can really feel that and see that this is a process. And the more that you exercise and, and really dive into this inner work within yourself, like that's where the magic happens. That's where you're able to create from, from a place of vision versus from a place of past. Exactly. So beautiful. Okay. You know, what's so funny is uh, you guys, I'll just bring you in some behind the scenes. Cause this just flew by. I looked at the time. I was like, Holy smokes. It's been only like 40 minutes. Um, I was like, really kind of torn between which way I wanted to go with Christine today. And I really love where we went. And it's so perfect because I've been getting a lot of questions about inner child work. And we, you know, went from the, you know, feminine masculine energies to then into, which I know my audience also has been asking about a lot, but this, I had done a post about this inner child. Um, it was called the welcome home ceremony. I did with my friend, Garen Jones. I think you might know him. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, that was super powerful for me. I posted about it. Um, Raleigh completely vulnerably and got a lot of uh, questions about that sense. So I love that we were able to go there. I so appreciate you opening mm. up and sharing about, you know, stuff that you've been going through and have gone through personally. Mm. Um, so just, it's humbling and it feels so good to have this, this space with you where we can just share back and forth. So thank you for My favorite sharing. Space in. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do have one final question that I ask every guest and I am so curious to know what your answer is. Um, so what is something, a part of you, that you would say you used to dim or hide or mute or shut away that you have since reactivated and reignited on your transformational journey to becoming the female on fire that I see you as today? Most definitely my intuition. Most definitely. So I was a very highly sensitive kid. I could feel stuff. I knew stuff, very empathic, got put on antidepressants at 11, didn't get off of them until 30, have been on every antidepressant, every, well, at the time, <laughs> I'm sure more have come out, but I've tried them all in terms of anti-anxiety meds as well. And it, I dimmed my intuition because I didn't know how to use it and I didn't trust it. And the medication honestly dimmed it too. And this isn't an anti-medication talk at all. I'm just sharing my experience. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, getting off antidepressants and, and opening back up this intuition and the sensitivity and learning how to do it because being empathic and being highly sensitive is hard because you feel everything and it's hard even to be, you know, especially as a coach, because people say stuff and my heart would just come out of my chest and I would take everybody's stuff on. So I've really had to learn discernment and that's another superpower of the feminine is discernment and boundaries and be able to use my intuition and that empathy, but not go into the shadow of it and take on, cause that's really sympathy, not empathy. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's the piece that um, 
I think is something that really lights me up in my life is being connected to that for myself and others. Mm, that's, that is divine feminine. Mm-hmm. That is, that is the light of being of literally that, that when you said I, I got excited, did you see my, I threw my hands up when you said intuition? I was like, oh, yes. Cause I can, I can so relate to that. And, uh, it's such a superpower yes. that we have. Yes. And I love that. And it's so important as, as you know, being a coach, being able, that's that when you're channeling, I was on a coaching call the other day and I was super in my head in the beginning of it. Um, because I was ex- totally expecting a business call and it was, I thought it was business strategy and it ended up being just super deep inner work that we were about to go in. And I was like, Ugh. and the minute I just let go of the shooting of the try of the, you know, all, all those things that were coming up for me that were causing the anxiety and the worry, I just let it go. I tapped and tuned in with, to my intuition and where I knew I got to go with her. Yeah. And I just started channeling. And it was just oh, like, she was crying. Like I was, I was like, it was just a, such a powerful experience. And it, we have, we all have that power within us. We do. For sure. So, so I love that. That's a beautiful one. Thank you for sharing. I haven't had that one yet. So oh, really? Oh, wow. that's why I got so excited. I was like, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. And right. thank you so much, Christine. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to share all of your things in the show notes for the listeners, because for anyone who have if this is their your first experience of Christine. I'm sure you are just falling in love with her as I did when I heard her at Aubrey's event. Mm-hmm. So I'll put in all the ways to follow her and see her and her man in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you guys are up to in creating is so inspiring. So thank you for coming on this episode and we'll see you guys in the next one. If this episode spoke to you, and especially if you are a driven, ambitious woman, who is ready to dive deep so you can rise up to the next level and become truly unstoppable against any and all obstacles in your way, go to femaleonfire.net now. It is time to reignite that spark inside of you so you can radiate it out. Those parts of you that have been lying dormant, that you've been hiding, muting, shaming, It's time to reignite that flame inside of you so you are lit up from the inside out, irresistible, magnetic, in command of every room and every situation, and no one ever, ever forgets your name. Go to www.femaleonfire.net. That's femaleonfire.net or click the link in the show notes to learn more. You can also shoot me a DM on Instagram that says FOF for female on fire now. And as always, thank you so much for listening and especially for rating, reviewing, and sharing the episode. You're amazing. I love you. Have a powerful day.